0: Honestly, if Moody failed tomorrow, which fingers crossed doesn't, but if it did, I would do it all over again without any hesitation. Even if I knew I was going to fail, it's been the best journey that I've been on. You learn so much um, and you have so much to gain from executing an idea that you're passionate about despite the risks.
1: Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo.
0: What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret.
1: Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday.
0: This bit of content listening to this is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently.
1: For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project. Today I have the beautiful Kate Gatfield-Jeffries on the podcast. She is the founder of Moody and Moody is a mental wellness supplement brand that creates clinically proven products and exciting new delivery formats to help women feel their best is a true representation of the world she's trying to create through her business, Moody. And it was so exciting getting to know a bit more about her personally and her passions. She is extremely passionate about championing women in their career and improving intersectional diversity, which is a concept we get into, one that I'm also very passionate about myself and how we can make products truly accessible and the challenges of doing that in, I suppose, like the healthcare wellness supplement space. Beyond the creation of Moody, she was the EY Global Corporate Finance Woman of the Year in 2021, the Young Leader Category winner in the New Zealand Women of Influence Awards in 2022 and just an all-round great gal with a strong purpose, truly impact focused and these are the types of people that I love talking to. So much was touched on in this episode and there were so many things I wish we could have dove deeper into, especially some of the topics around intersectional diversity, uh, women raising capital and things like that. If you have any more questions feel free to let me know and we can do another episode. Also just to let you know that we talk about men and women a lot in this episode and with consideration to inclusivity, Um, I want to let you know that we are speaking about men and women in the context of describing male and female biologically. When we talk about science and clinical trials, please keep this in mind. And I'm so excited to have... Kate on the podcast today to share her story and journey so far especially to help inspire those of you who may want to start your own business doing things differently yourselves. So let's jump into it. Kate thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the One Up Project. I am very grateful to have you here and to be able to share your story. Uh, I think a great place for us to start would be the journey of Moody uh, where it started and yeah where it is today.
0: Thanks so much, Sarah, for having me. Uh, So, we launched the first Moody products in May of last year, and I worked on bringing the business idea to life for about a year prior to that. Uh, But, I guess to share the full story behind my journey starting Moody, I would take it back to when I was 16 years old, um, and I decided that I really wanted to become an entrepreneur. So I actually read a book by Michael Hill called Think Bigger, and it's really an inspiring story about how he lost everything in a fire and he wanted to rebuild his life to become an entrepreneur and then Obviously, went on to found Michael Hill Jewelers, which is a really well known global brand. And as part of the book, he encourages you to dream big and set a 40 year plan. So I wrote down at 16 that I was going to become the CEO of my own company by the time I turned 40. And for me, this dream really became my North Star. So I consciously made career decisions that I thought would help get me towards that that dream and I kind of decided that it was a bit unrealistic to become an entrepreneur at 16 so that dream went on hold and I studied a law degree and a business degree at Auckland uh, and I did some internships in consulting. I thought consulting might be a good career to get a bit of financial um, security to then start a business and also some experience However, I guess when I was coming to the end of my five-year degree, I realized that I hadn't loved any of the internships that I had done. And if I was to go into consulting, it would have been quite a demanding career. So I just couldn't find myself excited about working 80 hours a week in these roles And it was around the same time that I crystallized my biggest passion and area of interest is helping women. I'd been involved in some extracurricular activities that were centered around helping young women get career opportunities in male dominated sectors. And I just absolutely loved that mahi. Um, So I wanted to try and make that something I could continue as a passion after I left university. So in my final year of studying. Studying, I decided no I'm not going to put my dream on hold any longer uh, I'm going to start a business and I did have a seedling of an idea uh, which has now become moody.
1: I love this story so much and also love that book recommendation I need to go and read that I'm actually curious about something you'd said you said that You put the entrepreneurship dream on hold at 16 because you felt that it was unrealistic. Can you talk to us why you felt that? And was that something that was maybe influenced by people around you or that you have decided based on your own experience?
0: I think it was an internal construct and it was a limitation that I had placed on myself. Obviously, it is quite unconventional for a 16 year old to go out and start a business, but I do think now with the access that we have to technology and education around how to start a business, like podcasts, like YouTube, I think it's probably a lot more realistic now than it was for me back then. Um, having said that, it was it wasn't that anyone around me discouraged me from trying to start a business. It was very much my own. Self belief that I was too young.
1: Hmm. That's so interesting and you mentioned within that book as well that entrepreneurship was something that had inspired you even at that young age even if you maybe didn't believe in yourself 100% yet. What do you think it is about entrepreneurship that inspired you personally?
0: I think it was being able to have a greater impact on people or communities than I would ever be able to have alone as one individual. So I guess it's leveraging maybe like products or services through building teams of people who can help you execute on a vision. I've always been someone who's dreamt big. Um, I just needed people around me to help me get to that execution of my big ideas and my big visions.
1: Mm, no, I love that so much um, because I also, I've always called myself a dreamer, um, just in the sense that I love being unrealistic. I love like the thought of things that could maybe happen and just testing those boundaries of my own imagination. And I think that's something you lose over time as you get older, is, is like everything's a bit more within the limits of what you sort of have been told your whole life you can and can't do. And so I love that. Um you say that you dream and you needed the people around you Um, because to understand or to want to have an impact on people larger than yourself is a really cool realization to have when you're younger, especially like, I think when I first started thinking about owning my own business is when I took business in high school and all I remember thinking was like, Oh, this is a great way to make money. Like that was my first thought. I never really considered the impact you can have with business and the way that that can actually help you change societal structures and all sorts of things um, you can do with a good idea and a community backing you. Seems like one of your passions was around women and male dominated spaces and that intersectional diversity. I'm so curious about intersectional Anything at the moment, I'm reading about you know, feminism, (laughs) the hot topic, yeah, the hot topic. Um, and I'm trying to read more about intersectional feminism and all the conversations we need to have in order to have a fair uh, and equitable discussion around feminism. So, knowing that intersectional diversity is something that is one of your passions, can you explain to us what that is and how that's kind of evolved? throughout your journey of helping women and through Moody as well?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I guess I might take it back to like what initially drove me to start Moody specifically. So we've already touched on one part, which is that I had this lifelong dream to become an entrepreneur so I could make a positive impact on as many people as possible. And then I think the second part to that is, okay, I know I'm now going to start a business. I need to figure out what kind of business I'm going to start. And for me, as you mentioned, like it always was about elevating women. And I think when you find this big kind of deep passion that's bigger than yourself, it's very hard to ignore. And I guess this kind of higher purpose of wanting to have a positive impact on women helped me have the courage to overcome risks that I was scared to take and just give me the energy to pursue this dream. Um, And I mean, to this day, it still does help me to overcome the inevitable challenges and hardships that you face in business. But I guess the second part is really like in terms of the idea of Moody and how that interacts with my passion for intersectional diversity, it was born out of a personal frustration that I had as a woman with consumer brands targeting insecurities of consumers. So if you think about beauty, think about fashion, you think about supplements, especially a couple of years ago when I was initially working on this idea, you know, the boom of collagen. A lot of brands are really focusing on marketing to women that they should look better or different. Um, And I really wanted to flip this on its head and think about how can we start with how you feel opposed to how you look? And of course, both of them interact in in many ways, but that was where I wanted to begin was how can we help women to feel their best? So I guess for those of the listeners who don't know, Moody is a mental wellness supplement brand and we create products that target stress, sleep, energy, focus, and mood. Um, And specifically in terms of how my passion for intersectional diversity and Moody overlap, Intersectional diversity to me is all about embracing the characteristics and experiences that make someone uniquely them. And it's about having a nuanced view of a person and seeing them through multiple lenses rather than just one lens. And you talk about this with intersectional feminism. So we look at people, not just as a woman, but with all of the unique experiences and characteristics that they bring to being a woman. So in the context of Moody, for me, it's really important that we can be accessible and resonate with as many women as possible because this is our key target customer is women. One way we attract diverse women customers is by using a diverse range of content creators in our advertising. And it sounds so basic, but I see a lot of brands using creators that only represent maybe one part of a population. So from my perspective, if you're selling anything in a business, people are more likely to trust another person sharing their experience, maybe using your product or your service, if they have something in common with that person. Like if you're a mum, you're probably going to resonate better with other mums. If you're going through menopause, you probably don't want to hear me talk about my experience with the product benefits. Mm. So we also then track the diversity of our customers through surveys. And it's really important to me that we are representative of the populations that we serve. And I think this has been a way I've been able to manifest this kind of key passion for intersectional diversity in my business, Moody.
1: Nuance is always forgotten from every conversation, but healthcare especially and wellness especially um, for women like I mean throughout time it's just a fact that our healthcare and still is in many ways when you think about scientific studies that haven't been done with a woman's lens and things like that like women are still grouped under this biologically male category in terms of what works with healthcare and wellness and what doesn't and so that's one issue in itself but then within women um, or those who identify as woman, there's so many nuanced experiences um, and characteristics, as you say, that make that person that person. And it's so interesting how you really can't like it, woman and everyone, every person is mul- completely multi layered. And I love that your product represents that understanding that it needs to. We need to consider not only just like who someone is, but everything they've been through that has led them to kind of represent the person that they are today as well.
0: Absolutely. And we even see this in product formulation. So often we want to make a product that can be used by as many women as possible. But a lot of times the active ingredients clinical trials have only been done on women who are not pregnant or who are not breastfeeding. So Mm. we have no idea if our product is suitable for women who fit those descriptions. So we actually have to say to women, we're really sorry, like there isn't enough research. And I mean, that comes down to a lot of structural biases and um, disadvantages within the kind of healthcare and STEM sectors that, I mean, we even then see as a consumer brand, I guess we're the intersect between like customer and these kind of multinational nutraceutical
1: companies. Yeah, because how do you manage that in product formulation? Like if you want to create, you know, something that is really accessible to women That's quite a challenge, or it sounds like it would be quite a challenge for you to do that in a way that is accounting for the various and diverse range of experiences of all women.
0: I think it more comes down to the application of the product. So really understanding our customer and what their needs are and how that might be different for different women. And then getting to know the woman in a way that they can feel connected with the brand and that they trust the brand so that we can give them advice around how to integrate the product into their daily routine in a way that resonates with them and works for their Mm. lifestyle. And that's something that we spend a lot of time doing, getting to know our customers personally uh, because we really care about them and building actually building relationships with the customers so that they can have a great experience using our products.
1: Mm. Yeah, because there's not much like it available, is there, Moody? No,
0: no, we're definitely filling a gap in the market. Mm. Uh, certainly when I was researching this idea um, several years ago, before we actually bought it to market, there was just nothing like it Um And I think there's been an evolution in the supplement space towards mental wellness and different categories within mental wellness. So like sleep and stress and focus, Mm -hmm. but no, we're quite unique.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And Kate very kindly sent me um, her product before this podcast for me to try. And I've been trying to get off caffeine, Uh, (laughs) like literally it's a drug. I never used to um, drink coffee. And cause I'm quite naturally, or I used to be at least quite naturally energetic. And then I, I started drinking coffee and honestly, I'm so sensitive to like substances like that. Yeah. And so I was just poof, off. Like my heart was on, it was racing. I had anxiety, but I kind of like loved the rush, but I knew it wasn't actually good for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I need something <laughs> to replace this feeling where like, I still have the benefits of like focus and but then feeling like the product is also working in my benefit and there isn't like a sacrifice um of one thing for another in terms of my health and I I love how Moody really fits that because I haven't personally I haven't seen anything else like it I think it's so exciting
0: oh I'm so pleased to hear that you like it yeah we we thought how can we take the benefits of coffee and cut out all the downsides, like the jitters and the crash and how it impacts your sleep, but mm-hmm. still have something that gives you that sustained energy boost and mental clarity and a little bit of a mood boost as well, mm-hmm. uh, but has no caffeine. So I think we nailed it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's so exciting. And, I mean, like with with those kind of values sitting at the core of who Moody is, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out next? I recently read this book. Um, it was called Alchemy: The Dark Art and Science of Building Brands. Something, something, something. It spoke to a concept around innovation, and it said how innovation happens at the extremes. And I think adding on to that, innovation also comes through being bold and taking risks, which can be really hard, especially when you're starting a business that you know you haven't seen already done or is a new concept or has unique values. And you mentioned before that you through this journey were working through overcoming a fear of risk and, you know, moving through that. So what has that journey been like for you launching a a brand that does bring a new concept to a market and really sitting at those extremes and trying to innovate?
0: I think I've always been someone who has been Uncomfortable with risk. And it's definitely not the best characteristic to have if you want to become an entrepreneur because there is a lot of inherent risk in starting a company, especially when you're trying to innovate. Um, But I love this question because it's something that I've really reflected on a lot throughout my journey. And I wish I could give myself sort of the advice of what I know now back then. I think having the right mindset is really important. And you have to understand that in most cases, there is no better time than now to start your innovative idea and bring it to life. As I mentioned, for years, I was obsessed with the idea of starting a business. But whenever I came up with an idea, I would write down, you know, over the next couple of days or weeks, all the reasons why I shouldn't do it and why it wasn't a good idea, or why someone else could do it better, or why it was too risky. And I think it's a classic because women, you may have heard the statistic, they want to meet 100% of the criteria for experience or skill sets to apply for a job, whereas men will maybe be comfortable with applying if they only have perhaps 70%. And I think the same is true often for starting businesses. I think women try to wait until they have it all Figured out and all planned, but you're never going to get there. You just have to back yourself and have the confidence and belief that others might not even have in you. And for me, taking that first step was definitely the hardest. I remember investing the first, like, quite small amount of money from my savings to buy some product. I uh, just did a little bit of testing, and it was honestly the scariest thing I've ever done. Like, mm. this is a you know, I just remember transferring that money from my bank account into the business bank account and thinking, oh, my goodness, what have I done? But it's pretty crazy how your perception of risk changes over time. And I've definitely developed more of a comfort with risk. So I think don't be put off if you don't have this at the start and you do have a bold idea and a bold vision and you know it's going to be innovative. Um Honestly, if Moody failed tomorrow, which fingers crossed doesn't, but if it did, I would do it all over again without any hesitation, even if I knew I was going to fail. It's been the best journey that I've been on. You learn so much um, and you have so much to gain from executing an idea that you're passionate about. Mm despite the risks. And I know that's a very hard thing to explain to someone who hasn't taken that first step or that big leap yet, but um, it gets easier with time.
1: Mm, I love that. I really love what you've just said, especially the point around don't be scared if you have that fear because it does get better. Like People can change and I think this is something that holds back so many of us as we see our I don't want to say we have fixed mindsets, but we see so many parts of our personality as fixed. Like I'm a disorganized person. I'm a late person. And we say these things like they could never change. Um, And so I think it's really empowering to hear you say that, yeah, you did have that fear of fear and not to say that it's even completely gone now, but it was worth it. It was worth pushing through and it could change and evolve over time. Like, do you look back at yourself starting moody even like starting your career to now and feel like you have just transformed as a person. I'm just so curious to know how you think you have evolved since then.
0: It's definitely been an evolution. If I take it back to, you know, 16-year-old Kate who was so inspired by Michael Hill and wanted nothing more than to start a business, but set the time frame for that to be when I was 40 years old. I think that probably tells you a bit about who I was As a person back then like I had to have everything kind of mapped out and only when I turned 40 this arbitrary birthday and I had maybe like financial security I had great like career experience would I then be in a position to start a business so I think over the past couple of years I've definitely relaxed that notion of like you need to tick boxes in a way To then be eligible or qualified to go and pursue a dream that you have. Um, I I mean I am a risk averse person and I always have been. I literally did a law degree for job security like I never wanted to be a lawyer. I thought oh well having a business degree that might not be enough you know just in case I need to have this extra edge to my CV for people to hire me Um, and now I mean I just think that you can be whatever you want and you don't, as you say, I think it's really powerful to have a flexible mindset around developing different strengths that you may not already have um, or really focusing on how you can improve your weaknesses. And also, I think weaknesses can be strengths. So for me, being more risk averse, okay, that's definitely a trait that I've worked to minimize to enable me to take this risk and start a business, but it has served me quite well in running Moody because obviously it is quite a strict industry from a compliance perspective. So mm. having an awareness of risk is actually really important. I think we, we make balanced decisions where I am definitely calculating the risks of things that could go wrong and trying to mitigate them. So that's where I've been able to, I guess, turn a a weakness into more of a strength in this particular scenario but not letting it be an absolute roadblock from me wanting to achieve something
1: mm. yeah because I think that is a theme in life that nothing's ever black and white and you might have this perceived weakness but actually it will help you in one other area and through your own personal growth and personal development I suppose that's where you begin to understand how those things serve you do you think I mean from my perspective, it sounds like your passion for the change you wanted to make was what pushed you through that fear in many ways. I don't think much else could really motivate a person because the like wanting validation from someone else or wanting to prove something to yourself, it only gets you to a point in your fear and like to, to have that desire to do something bigger than yourself I think is usually the thing that pushes someone through those extra um, barriers that you you come across. Um, so it's quite clear how strong your passion is for, for what you're doing. I always wonder when people talk about work and career, and I know we could probably separate like owning a business and working, but for the purposes of this question, I'm just going to keep it all wrapped up together. People often talk about jobs and work and careers as something that – you want to keep separate from passion. I feel there's two kinds of people. It's either the kind of people that want to do a job that they're really passionate about and put all of their emotional energy into, and then the other group of people want a job that they can just go to, do, and come home at the end of the day. From your perspective, do you think people can have a job that they aren't passionate about? I think it's important to find something that
0: you're passionate about in life generally. And I guess you've touched on that where there's types of people where they work to live and then there's other types of people where they live to work. And, you know, for many people, that passion may not be their career. And I think that's, you know, totally fine. It might be something entirely different to your day job. I do think it's certainly a privilege to turn your passion into your career or find a sense of greater purpose in your work. I think people can also find a sense of purpose from various sources within a job. So it might be the impact that you make on your colleagues or your clients. Uh, It could be from personal growth or achieving goals like that may be enough for some people to find purpose it doesn't have to be connected with you know saving the planet or elevating women or whatever else for me I knew that if I was going to start a business it had to be something that I was passionate about because running a startup it consumes your life you're never fully off you know even if you're lying in bed at night you're always thinking about the business um I dream about the business, you know, like at least I'm dreaming about something that I find fulfilling and it's very challenging. It's very exhausting. So I think that having this kind of higher motivating purpose has really served me well. That's not to say that I love every aspect of what I do for every minute of the day. There's Mm. certainly Tasks that I do not enjoy and I do not find fulfilling. I'm not passionate about them, but I know that it's kind of contributing to this bigger vision, which I do wholeheartedly believe in. I also think a lot of people may not have had the time or opportunity to discover what it is that they are passionate about. Mm. Um, I think that you can often more easily know what it is that you don't find fulfilling rather than it is you do find fulfilling. I guess what I would say to people who are in this situation is what are you good at and really think about that. What brings you joy and how can you best serve the world? Because for me, it's really been the combination of those three things that have led me to finding something that I am passionate about.
1: I find this to be a really interesting question because I think at the end of the day, there's no right answer, but you've explained it, you've articulated it really well uh, in the way that having something in your life and it doesn't need to be your work that you are passionate about, that gives you purpose, uh, will serve you well. Um, I think I often play around with the idea that what if everyone could be in a job that they were passionate about? Not to say that they should put in all of their emotional energy into work but if people went to work with a sense of purpose if everyone went to work with a sense of purpose how would that change the world and also just like the productivity of businesses in an ideal world I'd hope that every business was purpose-led and impact focused and encouraged and empowered their people to be the exact same but unfortunately we don't live in that world as of yet um, and we are out here trying to contribute to it um, so I think in ideals a lot, like what would an, an ideal situation be like? But realistically, I think you're right. I think it is a privilege to have the time and the resource to figure out what exactly you do want and to think on that higher self-actualization level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs rather than being in that survival basic needs stage. But starting with, as you said, what you don't like uh, can be a great place to work out exactly what doesn't serve you um, so that you can at least come closer to the things that do and spend your week not having your entire, like all of your energy sucked from you because of the place that you spend a majority of your time in but I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I love the Japanese principle of ikigai,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is I don't think there's a direct English translation, but it's basically the reason that you get up in the morning. Mm. And I think it's a term that embodies the idea of happiness and living where you can combine kind of like your work and your personal passions and interests. Um, And I think it's something that we can
1: all aspire to. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I think the word joy that you've pointed out and that I mentioned before as well is such a key one because happiness feels like a destination, but joy feels like that journey. So what within your own progress is bringing you joy along the way um, and focusing on that as much as you can. What do you think has helped you develop an understanding of what your strengths are Are and like, how have you gone about utilizing them?
0: In terms of understanding them, it's been a combination of self reflection and then partly external feedback. Firstly, like, as we've already been discussing, for me, there has been a strong correlation between what I enjoy and then what I'm subsequently good at. I have tried a lot of things over the years uh, to see what it is that I enjoy, and I, I think that you don't. Instantly become good at something. But if you have a natural inclination towards something where you really enjoy it, you're more likely to invest the time in getting better at it. Mm. And secondly, I think loops have been really helpful for identifying strengths and also areas of improvement. So a feedback loop could be getting. Insight from your manager or someone you work with who you trust, who has oversight over what you're doing, who can provide insight into how you can become better at what you do. Um, For me, it's really interesting because I am self employed, so I don't have a boss. Uh, I've had to rely on other feedback loops, like from my customers and what they tell me, and being really plugged into that or benchmarking against others in the market. In terms of then, leveraging the strengths that I have. I think when I've been shaping the strategy of Moody, I've been able to shape it in a way that is guided by my interests and what I'm good at.
1: Mm -hmm. It's interesting as well, because within your journey, you've had that taste of corporate versus startup world. And I have a similar experience in the way that I have some corporate experience as well, coming out of uni and then started the podcast and have been exposed to different things through that and also spent some time in an actual startup myself. How have you found comparing those two worlds? You know, you're self-employed now, but you did have that sort of stint of your life within corporate as well. And the structures are completely different in terms of how you operate your life, the things you learn. Like, do you think both have kind of fed into each other uh, in regards to your own personal learning?
0: Definitely. And I think the way I operate Moody now is probably a hybrid of like the best of corporate structure and rigor with the creativity and flexibility of a startup. Um, So I I took so much from my experience working in corporates and for me the highlight of that journey was probably being able to work in a sphere that involved entrepreneurship in a corporate setting and I had some amazing opportunities to do that and to see how the two intersect um, at a corporate level is really interesting but I think that there is a lot to be learned from both. And I think that corporates could take in more principles of entrepreneurship. Like I love how we're so dynamic and we can pivot really quickly. And obviously that's not realistic if you've got an organization with thousands and thousands of people, but not being too bogged down by structures and also being able to have so much exposure at a relatively like junior level or a young age is something that I never take for granted as the founder of a startup, but then equally in a corporate, you know, being able to test and learn, test and learn to have structure around how you implement ideas and frameworks. I think that that's also really beneficial in a startup where it's just chaotic. So any structure is often a good thing.
1: Mm, Yeah. And I think within those structures as well, you learn what works from you, uh, what works for you, sorry, in a way that you can Operate at your best um, because those environments can be quite hectic and time consuming, as startups and your own business can be as well, but I suppose in a different way. Like, for you, why has that mental wellness, that mental focus, that mental strength been so important to you? And how do you now reset and replenish your energy?
0: I truly believe that mental well being is kind of the foundation for physical health and relationships and careers like if you don't feel good fundamentally you can't then you know go out and look after your body maybe by exercising or fueling it with what it needs or you're not going to have the energy to pursue whatever your big goals and dreams are so I think really bringing it back down to the foundation of how can we help people to feel their best and for me it's definitely something that is a constant, I guess, battle while you're running a startup, which by definition is very demanding and relentless. So I'm always trying to create better boundaries between work and leisure so I can reset and recharge because I just absolutely love what I do with Moody and it is all consuming, but I do need that balance to be able to be a better founder. Mm. One thing that I have loved doing recently is just trying to incorporate small mindful moments or micro breaks into my days because unfortunately it's not realistic for me to take you know a long vacation, as for most people, right? So being able to just take a moment and think this is a little break for myself. Maybe it's a podcast at the gym. I'm quite obsessed with my own hot chocolate product. So I habit stack mm-hmm. that at night while journaling. I love having my smoothie in the sun, which a little hard to achieve in Auckland, but we get there. (laughs) Um, so I guess it's all about, you know, what you're thinking in that moment though, because I could be drinking my hot chocolate and journaling, but just thinking about all the stresses of the day and all of the problems that I'm encountering, or I could be having a mindful moment and thinking about all of the things that I'm grateful for. So I think it's a lot about shifting your own internal narrative and perspective in situations to kind of create the best for yourself in that moment.
1: Mm, it sounds like you're being a lot more conscious, maybe intentional with your time.
0: Definitely. I think you have to be. It's a slippery slope. When you're a startup founder, you could just be working 24 seven. And that's not who I am. And it's certainly not the values of the company that I'm building. So mm. yeah, I'm drawing some hard lines in the sand for myself.
1: Mm, good, good. Yeah. Because that's kind of the opposite of, of caring too much about what you do, I suppose, in a way where you need to put in those boundaries to stop you from taking it t- too far. Because um balance looks different to everyone but you want to prioritize as you say your your mental wellness within all of that
0: yeah you don't want to come to a place where you resent the work that you're Mm. doing and your passion has become all of your life that Mm -hmm. you don't enjoy it anymore it's almost like you need a little bit of something else to then realize how much of the wonderful things that you have when you come back to it on a Monday morning
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love that you have all the products you need to really set that up well, either coming through it or out of it. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I am my biggest customer. Yeah, so (laughs) good. I love to hear it. No, that's great. Have you guys been bootstrapped from the start or have you had funding?
0: We're bootstrapped from day one. I'm quite proud of that, actually. I think there is definitely particularly in the New Zealand ecosystem, a celebration around kind of how much money you've raised. Mm. And I wanted to take it, I guess, a different path where just to see what I could achieve from a small investment of personal savings and grow Mm. from there. I don't want to be accountable to anyone on the execution of my vision just yet. And Mm. it gives me that flexibility. Um, There's obviously a lot of sacrifices for us. It's been the right decision. And you know, the value of a dollar when you bootstrapped you, you, yeah, no, just no, no discretionary spending around here.
1: Absolutely. Not. That,
0: that's need awesome. a return on investment on everything. That gets spent.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you find that that brings another layer of pressure or is it more a freedom because then you're able to be flexible in the way you want to?
0: For me right now, it's a freedom. Mm. There may come a point in time where we do need additional capital to fund expansion, for example, into large-scale retail in the US. But Mm. for now, it's not having the burden of being accountable to someone else and their idea of how we should execute. I also think, you know, being a 25-year-old woman and running a mental wellness supplement brand for women it may be slightly difficult for me to raise money. Mm, mm. As, as, as unfortunate as that is, that's my um, assumption.
1: Mm. Oh, so interesting. I could honestly sit here yeah. and talk to you all day, um, but I don't want to take up any more time than I have. What, no. what you can't listen to, what you haven't heard people listening is that I've had about a million tech issues and Kate's been really gracious with her time. So, something I really wanted to touch on before we end the episode as well is around you working remotely I was watching your TikToks of you overseas Um, you and your partner was it both of you overseas and and working at the same time which is a dream for so many of us Um, I did a little stint of it last year as well could you talk to us a little bit about that where you were how you managed to do that what was kind of your plan while you were there
0: Yes. So I spent eight months of last year working remotely overseas and then four months of this year as well. Mm -hmm. And in terms of how I enabled it from a financial perspective, I chose countries with a lower cost of living, which you know, isn't hard if you're benchmarking against New Zealand Uh, and then also found ways to bring down the cost of living. So, for example, sharing accommodation with friends we went with to the Caribbean or pet sitting. I also tried to tie in um, with work that I was doing overseas or maybe, you know, you can create another income stream as well if you're wanting to travel and work remotely Regarding the logistics of being remote while having a business selling physical goods, I think there's definitely pros and cons. Aspects of working remotely, I do think are over glamorized, but you know, don't get me wrong, like we spent time in amazing places and I will forever treasure those memories that they're probably memories I wouldn't otherwise get to have while being a startup founder. Like I'm not going to be able to go to the Caribbean for two months, unless I take my laptop with me. Uh Um, But in terms of the pros, I think it's really interesting. It, It forced me to outsource the more maybe manual or physical elements of the business. So in my situation, like packing orders that made me then focus on working on the business rather than in it. And it's also a low distraction environment, depending on how you set yourself up. So often it would just be myself and my partner. I wouldn't know anyone else. And you do by default work quite a lot. And a lot of the massive business growth that we have had has come during times where we've been away just in that work remote lifestyle. It can be a logistical nightmare. Um, and time zones add another challenge. I actually remember, so when we did our first ever manufacturing run of the functional protein in May last year, I was in the Dominican Republic uh, in the Caribbean, and I remember getting a call at 2 a.m. our time in the Caribbean that our packaging had been delivered to the wrong address in New Zealand, and it was three pallets. Um on a friday night before a long weekend oh torrential rain was forecast and the <sighs> packaging was not waterproof it was like cardboard boxes or custom our beautiful cardboard boxes and i just remember thinking i wish i could like teleport back to auckland and just like hire a trailer and sort this all out and as it happened like a lot of the people i knew were also overseas and it was just yeah i i probably wouldn't do that again if i if i could um but you know it forced me to be resourceful and you know I was problem solving on a beautiful beach so there are worse situations to be in
1: oh my god so um, you got it sorted
0: yeah yeah we got it sorted oh there's been so many situations like that where you just face a problem you think how on earth am I going to solve this and yeah you do but it's stressful. I had a hot chocolate after that. <laughs> <laughs> hot chocolate hadn't actually come out. Then, a few yeah. You I I would have if it, it was now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, that sounds extremely yes. full on. And yeah, product based business yeah. I can imagine makes it so much harder. Um yeah. and you know what, I agree in many ways. Like I think there are things about working remotely that are over-glamorized in general. Um and You know, I've been reading this book recently about progress and how the world is always moving towards doing things more efficiently and we want to progress and we want to get better and we want to do this. And working remotely is one of those things that helps us do that, right? Because we can be traveling and living the lifestyle we want while working and that's amazing. But there's nothing wrong with also just like taking a holiday and like just being on holiday and not working um and there's so many benefits to being present in that moment too and then coming back into a routine working within that routine um but I guess it depends on what kind of person you are as well and what you enjoy and you need to know that about yourself in order to know what's going to work best for you but yeah it is an interesting thing to think about
0: it is and I think it's a whole new phenomenon like when I was at university in the first couple of years that would never have been on the cards to work remote, whether it was for like your own business really, or whether it was for a big corporate, like it's really changed post COVID. And I think it does open up a lot of opportunities for people to explore whether that lifestyle is for them. But as you say, it's completely dependent on the type of work that you are doing and the kind of person that you are, because Yeah, I mean, my experience spending two months in the Caribbean is probably very different to someone who goes there on a holiday, and of course, there's pros and cons to both.
1: Mm, mm, Absolutely. Were you working full-time on Moody while you were over there? You were?
0: Yes. So I started working full-time on Moody as soon as I finished university. Um, I actually missed my graduation back in Auckland because I was (laughs) in the Dominican Republic working on Moody, but... Um, Yeah, so I've been full-time on Moody ever since I left
1: university and have known nothing different, really. Amazing. You know, that, like, consistency as well and that achievement is huge. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, there's so many exciting things coming
0: up in the future as well for Moody. We're at an amazing point of growth and expansion and, yeah, just trying to keep up at this
1: point. Yeah, tell us more, like, what's on the cards for Moody? What are you excited about? I mean, you don't have to share specifics, but, you know, what are some things that you are looking forward to in the coming months and years with Moody?
0: Yeah, so I guess when you look at growing a startup in our space, there's kind of three key ways you can do it. So, Growing your channels, which you sell the product in, growing the geographies, and then growing the product range themselves. So, the first with channel expansion, we've been solely focused on selling direct to consumer through our website, but we've had a lot of really exciting retail opportunities come up that we'll be able to pursue when the timing is right. So, that's really exciting. It's always a dream, you know, to see your product on a shelf in a store it kind of just has a whole new dynamic to when you sell it online it's a lot more tangible um the second is geographic expansion so right now we're primarily selling into Australia and New Zealand but there are bigger global markets on the horizon for us one of them being the US and I've already spent a lot of time there and I pitched Moody there in March and that went really well so I'm super excited about that it's a very cool space with a lot of upcoming brands in the US, particularly in our category. Um, There's a lot of amazing innovation and I'm really inspired by that and can't wait to see where it goes. The third is, so product expansion. I, can't, I have to say it's sort of tight-lipped here, but we have so many products coming up. We actually started with two products for the first 12 months of Moody. I think a lot of people don't know mm. that. So we were just selling two flavors of our functional protein for the first 12 months. Uh, and now we're at eight products. So... It's been kind of a rapid expansion and we have quite a few new ones coming including a few world firsts. So um, have never been done before? All about innovation and I'm quite excited to bring them to market and see how it goes and it's great that we've got the New Zealand market to sell into. We've got an amazing community here so we can kind of test things on a smaller scale before launching them to the world.
1: Oh that's so exciting. I'm stoked to hear that and I'm just stoked to hear how passionate you are about what you're doing. And I really look forward to seeing everything that happens and cheering you on as well. Um, where can we go to support you? Where can we find you and Moody and, and yeah, just be back the brand? Thank you. So for Moody, we're at moodyblends.com online
0: and then at moodyblends Blends on TikTok and Instagram. And if you want to follow me, I post on TikTok at Kate Gatfield.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on an episode. I really would love to have you back on again to just like dive deeper into some of these things as your business journey progresses. But um, thank you so much for sharing and for coming on here and being open with your story and everything that you have done and achieved with Moody so far. I think like your career today, as sure as it has been, is inspiring. And I really look forward to watching everything you continue to do. So thank you so much, Kate.
0: Thank you, Sarah. That's so lovely.
1: All right, go and support Kate below. I'll be leaving everything and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.